What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Thomas, founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. You guys right, Broadcasting live and direct from the rolling red hills on the outskirts of Kingston, Jamaica. From a magical place at the intersection of words, sound, and power. The red light is on. Your dial is set. The frequency in tune to the Rootsland podcast. Stories that are music to your ears. In the reggae anthem Get Up Stand Up, the whalers sing, not all that glitters is gold. Half the story has never been told. My friend Brian always dreamed he could make the world a better place. Maybe by me telling his story, he still can. Consequence Podcast Network presents... Rootsland, Season 1, Reggae Junkie Joe. Whole barrage of righteous people out there. Because sometimes the story is the best song. Do you read Stephen King? Good news, there's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. 
Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK, WFPK.org, Consequence of Sound, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, thanks for uh, making your way here, checking out the series. I know there are a lot of airlines that you can fly today, and we appreciate you choosing ours. Uh, no, but seriously. Uh, if you're into artist interviews, you like diving behind the scenes and seeing how it's all made, uh, hit that subscribe button because we put three new interviews out every single week. A brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday so you can keep up with all of your favorite artists. Maybe discover some new ones or at least just know what's happening in the music world. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, YouTube for the video versions or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, my guest, The Weather Station, going to be talking with Tamara Lindemann about this new record called Ignorance. This is one that finds what, um, well, she's typically a folk artist, but taking on a new beat-driven sound. Uh, piano, she's writing with piano as the lead instrument for the first time. And we also talk about the uh, local avant-garde scene in uh, in Toronto, where she's based, the jazz scene up there. There's a lot of jazz elements on this, even though it's what you would call her poppiest album to date. There's, there's kind of her version of pop songs. But think about it, as I kind of project here in this interview, in the way of David Bowie's final album, Black Star. And I found a lot of similarities between the two records. I want to hear about writing cinematically, something she does uh, quite well, uh, maybe because she has an acting past, maybe just, just because that's how she writes. We'll find that out as well. And then there's the other side of this record, the themes. Uh, while it's uh, a personal record, there is an intersection between those personal statements and speaking on a global scale. And I'm talking about climate change, uh, truth, trust. All three of those creep up throughout this record plenty of times. So we'll hear about that side of it and the upcoming live stream that she's going to be doing. I want to hear what that's going to be like as well. So so let's do this. Talking about the record Ignorance, it's Kyle Meredith with The Weather Station. Thank you so much. Your last record was my favorite record at that moment. I mean, we played 30, I think, so much at uh, WFPK, and, and I don't get tired of that. It should be pointed out right away, this record ain't that. It's This is a different different thing here, uh, which you've been talking a lot about, and, and I guess it starts with rhythm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the self-titled, you know, it was a cool record, and, and it was, it was very, but it was very much grown out of you know folk music and like live music essentially music music that happens with people in a room together and and uh it was very idiosyncratic and it and it came out of personally idiosyncratic sense of rhythm and time and um i just felt like i had sort of outgrown that as a as a thing and i was playing a lot of live music and i i realized like i could I got excited about the idea of, of letting the drummer actually set the time <laughs> and be more like a vocalist, you know, flowing with their time instead of instead of setting the time myself. And yeah, I, I just I got enamored with with how how emotional, you know, straight propulsive rhythm can be. I think I didn't hear that as emotional before. And then and then I finally it finally hit me. I hadn't thought of it in a specific way, but as I was kind of reading about you talking, you know, similar moments about what you're talking about now, 
the the way artists uh i guess you call them drone artists you know john kale maybe one of the most famous of it but any in that sort of they would talk about that similarly how you know that baseline repetition allows you so much movement otherwise yeah i started to think of it as like a foundation you know and and like whereas the self-titled like there was no foundation like everything was constantly moving which i think is cool it's Mm -hmm. a very organic record but but this, I was like, what if, what if it's like a bedrock and then there's all these soft things kind of layered on top flowing around? You know, dance has come up a lot in, in what you're talking about. I haven't seen much about jazz and, and maybe it was because, you know, the brass on this record or the arrangements and the movements. But it does seem like to me like jazz. I mean, do you have a background in that at all? No, but I am um, in Toronto where I live there's a really the music scene that I'm a part of and that I that I go to see and that I watch is is primarily like fairly avant-garde jazz musicians like it's I don't know if anyone in the music scene would would say that they were playing jazz I don't know what they say they they do but they all went to jazz school and so there's a really strong influence in Toronto of like yeah very very complicated music and that's that's the music that I tend to go see so I think it was just natural that I'd I mean, A, want some of those people to come play on the record and also just be interested and curious in that and take little pieces of it for myself. <laughs> yeah, it's very much in the tradition of the, that final David Bowie record with Blackstar. I mean, when I when I hear this record, it's, it's that kind of jazz that I hear about it. It's dark mm-hmm. isn't the right word. I mean, there are dark moments on here, but it's just the way it moves. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Well, that's interesting because I haven't heard that record and it, people have mentioned that a few times. So I... I gotta listen to it. <laughs> you have to listen to it. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'll ask this one not because you have an acting past, but the other side of when I listen to this, there is a cinematic element to it, and I and I wondered if that plays a part of it when you're writing a song. Like, do you see a song cinematically as you're as you're writing it? Yeah, you know, I actually do, and that's something that I wasn't really using or thinking about for for several records. I mean like all of it was mine you know all the all the folkier eras I was more just thinking about like lyrics and performance and that that being everything um but my first like my very first record I made myself like I recorded everything myself and it was like a lot of these like big sound palettes I guess just just experiments and in making that record I remember thinking like I do kind of have a visual sense of like it's almost like a painting you know or a landscape um and what what does the landscape look like and and I think something I was thinking a lot about on this record is the way that like if you look at like a patch of ground you know of you know the form of natural forms are so complicated and there's so many things going in so many different directions you know like leaves and branches I mean like the cover of the album you know for example like if you just zoom in on a a square of that I was thinking of those sort of images and landscapes and textures I guess you paint it really really well I mean (laughs) you know whether that comes naturally uh, and I think again some of that also comes not just from the sounds and and from what you're doing lyrically and vocally but from those arrangements I was getting at and Mm -hmm. we have that romantic image of the artists in the room you know strumming away or plucking away or whatever and and it comes naturally but this mathematically is not the right word, but what was the arrangement process on this? Because it does seem a bit more complicated than, you know, things in the past. Yeah, it was super complicated. I mean, I, I like to do, I seem to do everything the hard way. And so the first thing I tried to do was I decided I was going to make, I was like, 
going to make arrangements myself on a computer and then force a band to play them. Like I was going to make like MIDI arrangements. And I was, I, I like lost months to like trying to program. Like I was trying to like learn about drum machines and use, you know, the 16 steps and try to like construct a beat and like bass lines and all of this stuff. <laughs> I didn't complete that approach, but I did, I did attempt it. Like, I got a band together and it was like seven or eight people and we got together in a room and I was like, okay, you play this, you play this, you play this. And you know, it would have been amazing if I was better with MIDI and was like a virtuoso of arrangement, but I was like trying to do too many things at once. However, there's a couple songs like Where the World, for example, like that arrangement was my MIDI, my MIDI arrangement. And a lot of the string arrangements, like it was nice because I'd already sort of been playing around with arrangement before we went in the studio. So a bunch of the string arrangements and some some baseline stuff and some drum drum stuff was already worked out. But I, I just got a really good band together and like it was a good fit where they were very generous with, you know, my ideas and 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 executing them, but also bringing a lot to the table. So so the final arrangement, it was some mixture of things I'd come up with beforehand and things that the band came up with in the moment and then you know, overdub things. And, and then the strings were like written, like I had to like write them um, with MIDI because uh, that's the way strings are, but yeah. And, and you did, I mean, instead of uh, guitar, you did the primary writing on the piano this time around, right? Mm -hmm. like, like how did that actually, did, or I should say, did it change the way you approach a song when you started with that instrument instead? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's cause I like, I actually wasn't even writing on a piano. I was actually just writing on like a toy keyboard like with a with a drum machine and and I kind of I kind of just did it because I was kind of had writer's block like nothing was really coming on guitar and my partner had this keyboard and he's like why don't you try writing on this and I did and suddenly I was just writing these like pop songs kind of like you know like tried to tell you you know these very different songs were coming out and uh yeah it, it totally changed it. it it in part in the beginning it was because like I did take piano lessons when I was a kid but I hadn't played really piano for many years so part of it was that I was just putting my hands on the keys and not really knowing what I was playing which is always a good way to break out of your habits <laughs> and part of it was just yeah like rhythmically a piano is really different like guitar you know I'm a finger style guitar player and finger style guitar I switched to this weird strumming thing that I made up for the self-titled but either of those approaches rhythmically like gives you a, a specific rhythm and it's difficult to to break out of that. So piano just gave me like chords and melody and let the rhythm be something else, which was nice. Uh, I'll invoke the uh, the uh, the album title here with ignorance. I mean, not like there are so many gr great stories in in like music history, and I, I'm thinking like um, uh, REM. You know, Peter Buck had never played the mandolin before, and the first thing he composes is ends up being losing my religion you know, and Pete Townsend had never right. played ukulele before and you get blue, red and gray as a who song. And it's kind of, it's, it's those, the, the ignorance allows you to feel free to do something sometimes simplistic. And I don't want to overpaint because this record no, isn't simple, sure. but yeah. But the song, some of the songs are really simple and like, you know, they're chord structures that like, since I made this record, I've been, I've been learning piano and I've been learning like theory on piano. And I, when I sit down to piano, I never, I never play like one, four, five now. Cause because I know what I'm doing. But when I was making this record, I, I was just like, that sounds nice. And turns out it's one, four, five again. <laughs> but yeah, I think 
I, I have been thinking about that a lot lately where, you know, I'm not, I've never had expertise in any, any aspect of music. Like I didn't go to school. I didn't, you know, I didn't go to recording school. Like all of my expertise is essentially like eternal and learned on like internal and learned on the job. And I often come into things with like a naivete. Like I tend to feel like all the musicians around me know they have way broader references and they have deeper knowledge and they have language that they can use. And, but I, I think I've just, maybe it's a coping strategy, but I've started to see my, my naivete uh, with, with some aspects of music as, as an asset of like, if I don't fully, if I'm coming to something with like a fresh, a fresh ear and just, just being like, that piques my interest. I'm going to take that. That's almost better than having like a deep knowledge of, you know, everything that's ever happened in music history <laughs> because once you know too much it, it i feel that anyway it becomes harder to write like no that's been done that's too simple that's or whatever you know? yeah yeah that's that's the strength of ignorance uh while we're there i'll flip that over and everything obviously mm-hmm. because that's the title does have a much deeper meaning as i understand you know from, mm-hmm. from what i've read from this i mean the um you know the two sides of it being a blessing uh, and a curse truth yeah. trust um they come up on this record at a time when both are questioned on a global level. Uh, and I guess, I mean, the micro and macro colliding, it's a personal record that speaks to something much, much bigger. What was it like writing, using that as a writing technique? Yeah, it was interesting because I, I kept writing songs and not really knowing, like, I was like, is this a song about, you know, this political thing that's occurring right now? Or is this a song about me? Is this a song about is this sometimes I wasn't even sure I was like are these my feelings or are these just feelings that are around me that I can't help but feel you know I I I am a very porous person and like the collective experience affects me I think as it does everyone else but yeah I mean it's a very deep it's a very strange time and 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 trust and truth and ignorance and denial are very very powerful and I think I think nothing can be more more intense of an illustration of that than like climate change like it's just it's just I think that the way that I started to see the world when I was writing this record was very disorienting like a very disorienting like radicalized perspective just just from having done a bunch of reading about the climate crisis of just like what our whole society is based on denial essentially like nothing like we're not paying now we kind of are like honestly like things have changed a lot in the last two years but we're not we're behaving as though you know our world is going to be the same you know 20 years from now and it's not like we're just we're walking into a absolute wilderness of of (laughs) dark things occurring and we're not we're not behaving that way and and it's just so odd to be living in this society where you know financial advisors and accountants and you know people can look you in the eye and and tell you to think about the future and you're like but what about everything though (laughs) you know I mean denial is just such a powerful force that seems to be driving our entire society I mean I know I sound crazy but you know what so I think the emotional quality of the songs is is a lot of them are about yeah people not being able to see people not wanting to see people seeing for the first time I mean I think that's sort of and also the the sort of like betrayal aspect is is very heavy in the songs of where do you have to get to in your in your heart to you know actively choose to destroy something i mean these are 
these are the, the feelings I was I was thinking about uh, when I was writing the record. Which are all valid. It's the feelings that make complete sense. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and I think that's probably why a lot of us are finding solace within these songs and yeah. relating to them very easy. I, I had wondered, you know, since you wrote this, because you wrote this in 2019 and mm -hmm. here it arrives in 2021. Mm -hmm. And on one sense, things have only gotten worse. And another sense, you know, we're hopeful that some things are getting better. Does yeah. the album begin to say anything different for you now than if you had released it uh, two years ago? Like I was thinking like you have this unusual hindsight in real time. Yeah, I mean, definitely there's a few lines like I, I didn't know obviously a pandemic was going to occur when I when I wrote like Atlantic, like where the, the chorus talks about dying. I, I don't mean... I didn't, that, that lyric hits me weirdly now in the pandemic. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I definitely, I was worried, you know, I was like, will this record even make sense, you know, in this brave new world we're living in, but it does seem to, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very strange with music. I mean, I've, my, my records have often in my own life, like foreseen things that I, I wasn't aware of, <laughs> which I think is just, a matter of the subconscious is often you know a few miles ahead of us and and often that's where that's where the songs come from on some level it's like all the greatest um sci-fi writers i mean the stuff that they wrote about 100 years ago you know and then, know. then you know and here we are in these these uh I don't want to, I'm trying not to, to, to get too heady on this, you know, but, but those moments where it, it does become the, the society of the future. And then suddenly you're looking around going, oh, wait, this is a version of that. This is a version of that society. I mean, I definitely feel like the, the last year or two has, has been really interesting. I mean, I think that this, this through line I keep talking about, about denial and ignorance. I mean, obviously there's like legit ignorance, like occurring, you know, in the form of conspiracy theories that are literally like threatening our way of life in our societies but you know on on the flip side like it does feel like covid has brought so much into awareness for people in a way where i feel a lot less alienated in the world in my perspective and that i feel i feel like many people are experiencing that that stripping away of the wool from one's eyes and in terms of understanding like the how how fragile our our world is and how fragile our society is and how much we're not valuing the things that matter. And so I feel like my perspective feels more mainstream right now, <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> I also um, like how you, um, there are moments in here, a few moments where you inject the songwriter as the character into the song. Tried to tell you, I think has one of those moments that really stood out. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the words here, only fools believe this is what songs are for. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and I feel like there was a couple other times in there. Did you notice that that was happening as you, as the songwriter? What is that sort of, it's not really a fourth wall, but it's, it's kind of in mm -hmm. that vein. Well, I think I was thinking, like I was actively thinking of, like I was telling my band and, you know, my corporate, like I was like, we're making a pop record. That's what we're doing here. And everyone kind of like, I don't think they really believed me that that's what I wanted to do. Like, I don't think people really understood what I was talking about. <laughs> But I meant it in myself. And I really thought, I really thought tried to tell you was like a pop song. Like I was like, I just wrote like a, you know, like a Bee Gees song, you know, like that's what this is for. Right. And, and I think that for me, and maybe that was, you know, it's like with the self-titled, like I was like, this is a rock and roll record and it isn't really, but I think that word spoke to me as a person because 
I just think a lot about like, what are songs for, you know, like I'm a really, I like really esoteric music that doesn't appeal to that many people. <laughs> but I also love the way that, you know, certain songs have this place in society where it's like you hear a song like on the street coming out of a car or like at the Valley Village or like in the grocery store, like the way that music, I think the coolest thing about accessible music and not, and I'm, once again, I'm not saying that my music is a pop song because I know that pop music is like, you know, Rihanna at this point, but you know, an, an accessible song that anyone can understand is like, it's like this Trojan horse. Like it just, it travels, it goes, it gets into people. And, and I was thinking of that perspective of like, if I had a chance to like say sentences, you know, into people's hearts, <laughs> you know, through the medium of like accessible songwriting, like what would I want to say? So that was, that was, I think where I was coming at it from, yeah, having a bit of a, a sort of self-conscious perspective like in that song in particular yeah but it it, it seems to be working i mean that song it looks like you know if i'm just judging by the streaming numbers even more than finding its way i mean it's yeah in the pop world it's pretty interesting yeah and i mean it's not like i say it's not pop because like there's a whole universe of music that's far more uh listened to than what i think of in my old-fashioned way as pop in terms of like you know clear melody Mm. but um yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like the music is really traveling in a way that I've I've never experienced in my life yet. So it's pretty cool. That's because it's great. It really is. It's, it's really great. Uh, I know you have um, coming up. Uh, you have the upcoming live stream, right? Yes. So what do we expect from that? I mean, is this are, are you going conceptual on this, or is it just going to be sort of storytellers? Yeah, I mean, it's it's complicated. Like you know, it's it's a logistical nightmare at this point with. Uh, lockdown restrictions and social distancing and you know how to be spaced in a room correctly for COVID and yet for sound and yet for lights and yet for for video so I feel yeah I feel like I'm a producer right now but yeah it is it's going to be the the album band which is going to be really cool because we're it's a really cool band and we never you know we made the album and then we haven't been able to really play since so I'm excited to just to play with them and then yeah I'm hopefully I'm going to try to to build some other elements into it so it's it's more than a show I mean I think a lot of people don't understand with with live streams like they're like they think that musicians should just be able to segue easily to performing on the internet without understanding it's actually like really difficult to it's another medium it's like it's like being asked to master another medium unexpectedly without the finances it takes anyways that's a aside from the point but I'm excited about it and I'm excited mostly to play with that band and just just to feel their energy in the room again I'll be looking forward to that too and and whatever comes next I mean now knowing this is sort of again you know something that you've had almost in the rear view for a couple years as it's just (laughs) finally getting released I'm curious as to where you're going to go next because I know everything's been a bit different every single time so I'm, I'm such a fan yeah yeah totally it's it's interesting well and it, and it's interesting too because I, like I have made another piece of music but with this record it just it just looms so large it's been hard to it always takes the record coming out to like finally be able to move past it so I'm looking forward also to the next thing well until then uh you've got an amazing record here with ignorance um thank you so much for the music you've done and thank you so much for taking the time to talk about it today too Yeah, thanks so much. Big ol' thanks to Tamara. The weather station's new record is called Ignorance. Thanks to you, again, for checking out this series. Uh, Do hit that subscribe button. Please, please, please. Uh, Anywhere you like to get your podcast from. But you can also do it at the uh, usual spots. 
iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast. YouTube has the video version if you want to see us talking to each other uh, and relive it in uh, in great visual glory. After all that, after you subscribe, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres and music news and anniversary spins and bonus interviews. It's a whole lot of fun, and we do lots of big themes, too. It's uh, 6 p.m. Eastern every weekday at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all three of them at Kyle Meredith. Please do like and follow along over there as well. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.